Good morning. It's good to be with you again. Thanks for having us. We're always happy to come here. It's a pleasant trip up here and appreciate your hospitality. Let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your grace and goodness. We thank you for the lyrics of those songs that bring us to a place where we recognize better who you are, what you have done for us, are doing for us, and will do for us in the future. We ask now, Lord, that you'd, by your Holy Spirit, bring your word alive in our hearts and minds. Help us to be receptive, work in our lives in whatever way you choose to do, and accomplish what you want to accomplish today in the lives of each one of us who are here today. We ask it in Jesus' name, for his sake and glory. Amen. Well, if you're really paying attention you realize that there are many serious problems in this world. And uh, one of my favorite authors, a theologian in the truest sense of the word, J.I. Packer, wrote in Rediscovering Holiness. He kind of outlined the problems that we're facing today. I warn you that it's a little bit negative, but it is, I believe, accurate, and I think you'll see that. He wrote, Secular Relativism controls the world of education. Consumerist materialism rules the marketplace. The idea that we can know what is fully true about life is ridiculed. Tolerance for all departures from yesterday's wisdom is demanded. And any appeal to absolute standards of right and wrong is viewed as bigotry. Now this this one really hurts. In practice, Christianity has ceased to be the accepted basis of personal and community life in the West. It has been downgraded to a mere hobby for the minority whom it still interests. That's hard to hear, isn't it? But I think you'll see how accurate it is if you look around in our world today. And people respond to the problems in our world in a variety of different ways. One of those ways is to wonder why God is not more involved in this world. Why doesn't God say something? The question kind of goes like, why does God remain silent? Why doesn't God speak? Job faced this situation in his life when there was a contest of sorts between God and Job. God allowed Satan to take away all of Job's blessings. Satan's premise was, if you take all Job's blessings away, he'll curse you to your face. He's only serving you because you're providing all of his wants and needs. Take those away, and you'll find out he really doesn't love you. He's just using you. And Job underwent all kinds of losses. You're probably familiar with the story. And what happened was, Job's three friends came to comfort him, And they turned out to be accusers. They were really speaking for Satan, who is the accuser. And they continued to pummel Job with the idea that God's doing this to you because you've sinned. And Job knew he wasn't perfect, but he said, I'm right with God. There is no sin in my life. This is not happening because of something I've done wrong. But they continued to insist that was the case And Job wanted God to speak. He wanted God to set the record straight. Have you ever been in a theological or political argument 
and you just wish God would speak up and prove, validate, vindicate that you were right. That's how Job felt, and that's how we feel sometimes. Well, here's the truth. God has spoken, and He's spoken clearly. The problem is not that God has not spoken. The problem is that mankind is not listening. And when people do hear what God has said, they do not always respond correctly. Now, the Bible is God's word to mankind. It's the same thing as if God were speaking in an audible voice. It, it represents the, the mind and the heart of God. He, it speaks to us in the same way it would if God spoke with a voice. Abraham Lincoln called the Bible God's best gift to man. The question is, how will, how will we respond to God's gift? Daniel Webster said, if we abide by the principles taught in the Bible, our country will go on prospering. But if we or our posterity neglect it and its instructions and authority, no man can tell how sudden a catastrophe may overwhelm us and bury all our glory in profound obscurity. Some people have noticed that the United States of America is not mentioned in, in future prophecy. Maybe obscurity is coming. But we have to face the fact that our culture in America and in the world has definitely lost its way. And the Thessalonians provide us with an exe excellent example of the correct response to the Word of God in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. Look at it with me if you would. And we also thank God continually because when you received the Word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the Word of men, but as it actually is the Word of God, which is at work in you who believe. So first of all, the correct response to the Word of God is a reason to be thankful. It's a reason to be thankful. It wasn't always easy to be a Christian in Thessalonica. Followers of Jesus Christ faced persecution and suffering because of their stand with Jesus Christ. And Paul was concerned about their spiritual welfare. But the fact that these Thessalonians had not defected from the faith under persecution proves that they received Paul's message as the Word of God. That was what strengthened them and enabled them to continue going in a world that was contrary to them. The correct response to the Word of God will save your soul. It will change your life. It will give you strength to face hard times like it did for the Thessalonians. It will give you something to live for and, if necessary, something to die for. It will give you courage to do what is right when everyone around you is doing what's wrong. And that's the world in which we live right now. If you respond correctly to the Word of God, it will give, give other people who respond correctly to the Word of God a reason to be thankful. And it gave Paul that. He said, I'm so thankful that you're hanging on that you're keeping the faith, that you're living the way God wants you to live, that you're accepting the Word of God as it truly is, His Word and not just the ideas of men. Paul is thanking God continually because these people responded correctly to his message. Secondly, 
the correct response to the Word of God is to recognize it for what it is. Not everybody does that. Sometimes preachers and theologians who stand behind pulpits and teach in seminaries do not accept the Word of God as God's Word. They accept it as the ideas of men about religion. And they teach it that way. And you can kind of use it as a guide, but it doesn't have the power of the Word of God. And Paul says, they're not receiving the Word like they should. You're receiving it as it really is the Word of God. He says there, again, our verse, and we thank God continually, because when you receive the Word of God, which ye heard from us, you accepted it not as the Word of men, but as it actually is the Word of God. Is that how you accept the Bible today? Is that how you'll accept this sermon? I'm just a man. I'm just speaking. I'm trying to represent God, but I'm speaking His Word and trying to expound on it, to explain it, to illustrate it so we can understand it better. And I pray that we'll receive it with hearts that are open and receptive and say, this is what God says. I want to respond to what He says in the right way. The Word of God is passed on by people, but it did not originate with people. And the Bible itself makes that very clear. When Paul preached the gospel, he was not sharing his own ideas. Paul communicated to people what he received from God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we read an account that is really the gospel, if you want to call this, these two verses, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. Paul says, wrote, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that is the Old Testament, prophesied it all, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. So Paul said he received it. Who did he receive it from? In a theological seminary? From some other man? No. In Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, he says who he received it from. He said, I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from who? From Jesus Christ, the Word of God. The gospel is the Word of God. And Peter validated this same thing. In one of his epistles, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, Peter wrote, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This book that we hold in our hands is divine. It's the Word of God. And the Word of God did not originate from people. The Word of God originated from God. Just as I breathe out to speak, and I've never really thought of this before, but have you ever thought of the fact that you have to breathe out to speak? You know, you can't just move your lips. You have to breathe out for words to come out. And it's the same thing as I breathe out to speak, God breathed out, as it were, to speak his word. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, 
and verses 16 and 17, the Bible says about itself, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's the Word of God that makes a difference in our lives if we will heed it and listen to it. Now, sheep recognize the voice of their shepherds. In the olden days, they used to bring the sheep into a sheepfold at night, and several different flocks would share this sheepfold. The shepherds would come, and they had a certain communication uh, method with their sheep, and only their sheep would follow them. One shepherd would say his thing, they'd follow him. Another shepherd his... And the sheep would sort themselves out by following their shepherd. They knew the voice of their own shepherd. They wouldn't follow someone else. So spiritual sheep recognize the voice of Jesus Christ as the great shepherd. These Thessalonians recognize Paul's message as the word of God. Now the word of men, the words of men are sometimes false and sometimes foolish. You don't have to listen very long to hear examples of that today, do you? But the Word of God is holy, wise, faithful, and always true, always reliable, always dependable. How a person responds to the Bible is critical. I like how Warren Wiersbe puts it. He wrote, We must never treat the Bible as any other book, for the Bible is different in origin, character, content, and cost. The Bible is the Word of God. It was inspired by the Spirit of God, 2 Timothy 3.16, we just read it, and written by the men of God who were used by the Spirit, 2 Peter 1.20 and 21, we just read it. God's Word is holy, pure, and perfect, Psalm 19.7-9, we did not read. The Bible was written at great cost, not only to the writers, but to Jesus Christ who became man that the word of God might be given to us. The way a Christian treats his Bible shows how he regards Jesus Christ. He is the living word, John 1, 1 and 14, and the Bible is the written word, but in essence they are the same. An article from the devotional booklet, Our Daily Bread, kind of illustrates how we should read the Bible. A little girl bought a Bible to give to her father for his birthday. When she opened it to write him a note, she wasn't sure what to say. For Mary seemed to lack feeling. From your little daughter would not be right because he had told her she was getting to be a big girl. Then she thought, from one who loves you, but others loved him too. She went to her father's library and pulled one of his favorite books from the shelf. On the flyleaf, she read, From the Author. That was it. When the young girl's father opened the gift and saw in Mary's handwriting, From the Author, he thought to himself, I'm not acquainted with the author of the Bible. That thought prompted him to begin studying God's Word, which led to his conversion. He came to know the author. Why do you read the Bible? Are you fascinated by its drama and intrigued by its insights? Do you read it because you know that you should? Those reasons are good, 
But our real motivation for reading God's Word should be to know the author. So thirdly and finally, the correct response to the Word of God is to believe it and be changed by it. Not everyone who hears God's Word believes. Wouldn't it be interesting if we could, like God can and does, if we could read the thoughts of people? I wonder what thoughts are going through your mind as you're listening to this message. I one time preached in a rescue mission in Denver, Colorado, when I was a student in Bible college. And the way the rescue mission worked is you had to listen to a sermon before you got fed. And some people weren't there for the sermon. They were there for the food. And uh, as they were walking through the line, I was greeting them and shaking their hands. One man wouldn't put out his hand, so I put my hand on his shoulder. And he said, get your blankety-blank hand off me. I don't think he was in agreement with me when I was preaching. You know, and, and I, want, I wonder sometimes, you know, even in congregations like this, someone might be saying, oh, I, don't, I think you're getting carried away. I'm not sure I really believe that. Isn't that a, a sad idea to think that God has spoken and people turn away and say, that's not for me. I don't believe it. I don't want that to be part of my life. And some of the people in Thessalonica did that. Some of Paul's listeners did not heed his message. Not all of them said, oh, Paul, the Apostle Paul's come here to give us the word of God. We embrace it. We rejoice. Paul preached in a Jewish synagogue there, and the people came to believe claimed to believe in the Old Testament scriptures. Paul's message agreed with the Old Testament scriptures, but instead of comparing what Paul was saying to the Old Testament scriptures, they sided against Paul. And so this account is given to us in Acts chapter 17, where Paul congratulated a church in Berea. He said in verses 11 through 13, Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures, the Old Testament, to, every day to see if what Paul said was true. Many of the Jews believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. When the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the Word of God at Berea, they went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. When you take a stand for the Word of God, you will face opposition because not everybody's accepting the Word of God as having authority over their lives. They look to other things for authority, themselves, someone else. Well, the Word of God is true whether a person believes it or not. The Word of God is true whether you believe it or not. There was a saying a while back that said, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. I think I can improve on that. God said it, and that settles it, whether I believe it or not. You know, and, and if we choose not to believe it, we are the losers. We are the ones who are drifting through life without purpose, without meaning, and without hope. It's a tragedy every time a person hears the Word of God but does not receive it. You know, I'm just a man. I'm just up here preaching a sermon. 
But I pray that God's spirit is at work. I pray that our hearts are tender and sensitive and we'll respond to the message of God. Our eternity depends on it. A well-known atheist, Madeline Murray O'Hare, had a Bible. And this writer wrote, She was the best-known atheist in the United States, perhaps in all the world. Madeline Murray O'Hare was profane and aggressive, devoting herself to attacking all religion, and especially Christianity. Then in 1995, at age 76, she mysteriously disappeared. Was she the victim of foul play, or had she gone into hiding? Before evidence eventually pointed to a former associate as the murderer, the Internal Revenue Service seized her personal belongings to pay delinquent taxes and personal debts. Included in the IRS auction was a penny that had the words, In God We Trust, scratched out. Think of that. That one cent piece sold for $10. Also included was a Bible which sold for $2,000. Madeline Murray O'Hare's Bible that she did not believe, that she fought against, that she opposed. As mere paper and ink, the Bible was worth at the most only a few dollars. But as the Word of God, which communicates the truth of saving grace, that book was priceless as is any edition of God's Word. But I want to point out this morning that you don't have to actively oppose God like Madeline Murray O'Hare did to be lost. All you have to do is not respond correctly to the Word of God. Those who hear God's Word and believe will be changed by it. Back to our text... At the end of the text, I'll read the whole thing. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it actually is the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. If you choose not to believe, the word of God's not going to work in your life. Holy Spirit's not going to indwell your life. You're going to go on through life on your own. But if we receive the word of God... It's going to go to work in our lives to make us what God wants us to be. It's going to make the changes. And we're going to welcome that. We're going to have love, joy, peace, and all the other fruit of the Spirit in our lives, working through our lives. We're going to be different. We're going to be changed. I could talk to you about what I was like before I came to the Lord, but who wants to hear that? I'm thanking God that I am a different person now that Jesus Christ is in my life. I wasn't the worst guy in the world. Linda married me. <laughs> and I've always wondered about her judgment. <laughs> but as it turned out, I had people praying for me, including Linda's mother and Linda. And I came to know the Lord and what a change he made. You know, there was a financial advisor named E.F. Hutton in the past, and they used to have a commercial on TV that said, when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. Well, I want to say, when God speaks, wise people will listen and respond properly to what God has said. And faith is the key that unlocks the door to understanding. 
We can choose to say, God, I believe in you. Jesus, come into my life and change my life. Forgive me of my sins. Change my heart. Become my Savior. It's that easy. We can ask him to do that. The Holy Spirit guides believers into God's truth. God is a source of power, and his word is his instrument that does his work. You ever think about this? We are not just reading the Word of God. The, re- the Word of God is reading us. In he- Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. People see what we say and what we do outwardly, but God looks at our hearts. Verse 13, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. John Benson wrote, faith is decidedly a condition in which the sinner must meet in order to be saved. But if the sinner were left to himself, he never would believe. And so God enables the sinner to meet his demands by effectually working faith in the sinner, using his powerful instrument as the energizing word. Faith comes from God through the word of God. No sinner can meet the conditions of faith, repentance, and obedience on his own. He must have divine assistance And when it comes, he gives God thanks for it. The more I study the word of God, the more I believe in the sovereignty of God. And if God doesn't first move upon us, we're not going to move toward him. If God wanted to engage in a cosmic game of hide and go seek with him hiding and us seeking, we'd never find him. God had to make the first move. And in salvation, God has to make the first move. If you are unmoved, if you are unsaved, I would ask God to move upon my heart. I would say, draw me to yourself. Give me faith. Do in my life what I can't do for myself. This is what I need. This is what I want. I can't do it by myself. I need Jesus as my Savior. Two different words are used in our text in the original Greek. The first word is paralambano, which means to accept formerly, uh, formally and outwardly. The second word is dekomai, which means to receive willingly, inwardly, to welcome. So Paul is saying, you not only receive the word outwardly, but you received it into your life. You responded to it. You obeyed what it said. When it said, you're a sinner... And you need Jesus Christ as your Savior? You you responded to that. You repented of your sins and turned to Jesus Christ and trusted Him as your Savior. You placed your trust in Him. So it's not enough to hear God's Word with our ears. We need to hear God's Word with our hearts. It's not enough to hear God's Word outwardly. We need to approve and appropriate God's Word into our lives. I came here today, opened up the Bible, preached a sermon, 
It's part of the service today. But I pray to God, we will walk out of here changed. I pray that something will happen in our lives. That makes a difference. I appreciate coming here. I appreciate your hospitality. Love compliments. Don't compliment me too much, though. But, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I appreciate your generous and, and, and helpful comments. But, you know, really, this is only what's going on down here. God's interested in what's going on in here. That's what makes a difference. I, I, I want to I see change in lives. I know Pastor Kevin wants to see change in lives. That's what it's all about. We want God to have control. So the problem is not that God has not spoken. You look around at the world and you go, God, why don't you intervene? Why don't you speak? Why don't you strike somebody down? Why don't you show your, demonstrate your power? The problem is not that God has not spoken. The problem is that people are not listening. Did you know that it's possible to hear physically but be deaf spiritually? Richard DeHaan wrote, Some people suffer from a strange hearing disorder. They can hear sounds, but they can't understand words. They have no trouble hearing a bird sing or a watch tick, but words are as unintelligible as if they were a foreign language. That's how I am with computers. <laughs> That's another story. That's another sermon for another day. <laughs> Maybe not, so, not, not a very good sermon. <laughs> the source of the problem is not in the ears. It stems from an injury to the brain. There is also a spiritual deafness that affects many people. Because of a sinful heart, those without faith in Christ can read the Bible and hear the teachings of God's Word, but its spiritual message is foolishness to them. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says that. That explains why some people can appreciate the Bible as literature, as reliable history, and as a source of high moral standards, but they fail to understand its spiritual message. I just heard something. <laughs> Back to Richard Dion. <laughs> they don't grasp the significance of what it says about Christ. His death on the cross for our sins, his resurrection, and his ministry of intercession for us in heaven today. Those truths make no sense to them. As you read the Bible, do you hear what it says? If not, ask the Lord to open your understanding to what it says about Jesus. Place your trust in him as your personal savior and experience a spiritual birth. That's the cure for spiritual deafness. So the key to understanding the written word is knowing the living word, Jesus Christ. What we believe does make a difference. Our conduct is based on on what we believe. Belief determines behavior. So how, how do you need to respond to the Word of God today? Are you allowing God's Word to change your life? And very importantly, are you sharing it with other people? Look at our world. Look at our culture. Look at your county. Look at the area here. Do people need the Word of God or what? Are, are people lost 
and the evidence is so obvious? Can you see that? The Word of God is the answer. The Word of God is the solution. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for your grace and blessings to us. We're thankful that those of us who are saved are saved because of what you did, because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, because the Holy Spirit convicted us of sin and drew us to you. Lord, we will praise you throughout the rest of this life and throughout eternity because of that. It's nothing good in us. Grace, we didn't deserve it. We can't earn it, but we can receive it. We can place our trust in you. And that's my fervent prayer that anyone here today that is not saved would do that, would say a prayer and ask you to come into their lives by your prompting. And Lord, we pray for those of us who are saved to live our lives in a way that reflects your word, that is a good testimony of your word, and it is consistent with what your word teaches, that we might be an influence, that we might be salt in a world of decay and light in a world of darkness. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.